the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is The Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. Happy Thursday, friends, and welcome to The Jenna Ellis Show. I'm so excited to have my friend Tim Barton, who is the president of Well Builders, join me on the program today. And before we get to Tim and talking about the 400th anniversary of Thanksgiving, which is this year, next Thursday, very excited for this, even though, uh, you know, Dr. Fauci apparently is telling us that we can now gather with our friends and families. We were going to do that anyway, let's be honest. But before Tim joins me on the show to talk about Thanksgiving and CRT and school education, so much more. Friends, there is no way to spend this. Our country is in a state of emergency. We've seen a total failure of government. And the bottom line is that we are in the midst of a failed presidency and things are going to get worse. So now is the time for Americans to take steps to protect our finances and retirement. When times are turbulent, you need an asset that protects you. And that's why I trust my friends at Legacy Precious Metals. Gold offers a hedge against inflation and protects you from the volatile financial markets. Legacy Precious Metals is a company you can trust to give you good, patient counsel for your personal situation. Their team of experts has decades of experience helping Americans like you and me make the right decision for ourselves and our family. So call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-528-1903. That's 866-528-1903 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com and download their free investor's guide. And joining me now is my good friend Tim Barton, who is the president of the nonprofit organization Wall Builders, and he tells a lot about America's forgotten history. I've had the privilege of uh, doing some other interviews with Tim, and he's just an exceptional voice for uh, for the truth, and especially uh, being, I think you're a millennial, Tim, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you have a great perspective on what's happening in uh, history around the country and warping the narrative, but especially for purposes of today's discussion, what ha- what's happening in schools around the country with critical race theory. Yeah, well, Jenna, thanks for having me on. I I, I am a millennial. I was the very beginning of uh, maybe the, the, the downward spiral and some of the, the <laughs> thoughts, at least the product of what education has done to this rising generation. So uh, a lot of conversations can be had there, but certainly I'm, I'm grateful to be on with you. And there's no doubt a lot of crazy stuff happening right now in the education system. As you mentioned, I work for an organization that we spend nearly every day, all day, every day, just diving into original American documents. We at Wall Builders have been blessed with the largest original uh, private collection of documents from the founding era. So we actually have journals and writings from George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, all these major founding fathers. And if you go back and study the true history of America with the original documents, what we find is what is being promoted, uh, promulgated in schools today is just so different than what the true history of our nation is. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I love the fact that you have so many of the original documents. I mean, my favorite place to go in Washington, D.C. is the National Archives because just seeing the original document of the Declaration and the Constitution and our Bill of Rights, uh, that's our best evidence because, you know, we're not working with copies of copies of copies and going, well, is this actually what the founders intended? I mean, we have the original writings and the best evidence. And I love um, everything that you do with wall builders and speaking the truth of what our country was founded upon. And that actually gets into my first question because, you know, the left is trying to harness all of our institutions, uh, including, you know, including government, including schools, including the definition of family. I mean, everything that they possibly can to not just indoctrinate with leftism, but actually to program, to program our society and especially our kids to have a very different view that doesn't match the reality of history and doesn't match the reality of what our country was founded on. So the 1619 Project being taught uh, is a is a really big part of that, and also critical race theory. A lot of uh, these pundits on you know CNN and other uh, organizations, you know mainstream media, they're trying to now even say that 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 itself is a myth. That critical race theory isn't even being taught. So how for for everyone listening, you know we all want to just push back against this and almost tear our hair out screaming, going ah this is all lies. But what's the best way to say? Wait a second, no. Here's what critical race theory is. And this is how it's being taught in schools. Yeah, you know, one of the, the interesting debates we have today is, is sometimes over a semantic of, you know, we sometimes on the right will say, or conservatives, Christians, will say, hey, critical race theory isn't good. And, and you know, certainly as a Christian, it's very easy to point to some of the writings of the Apostle Paul, where he says that in Christ, that there's no male, there's no female, there's, there's no Jew, there's no Greek, Scythian, slave, free. We are all one in Christ. As a Christian, and really, I mean, if you're a historian, you can look back and go, hey, we, we pretty much all came from common ancestors, right? As, as Christians, we look back and go, Adam and Eve, that's where God started things. We recognize that we are all one race. It's what the Apostle Paul wrote, that we're all one blood. It's in the book of Acts. And that there's just so many things from Scripture that that are a different narrative. Now, that's, that's one thing as a Christian, that that's always my perspective, is a little along the lines of what MLK said, that you judge people not, or that he was hoping one day, right? His, his famous I Have a Dream speech, he was dreaming that one day his daughters would grow up in a land where they were judged not by the color of their skin, by the content of their character. And this is something that, again, as a Christian, this is just that foundation where when Matthew 25, the Bible talks about Jesus separating the sheep and the goats, and he, he separated them based on what they did or did not do. It wasn't based on their gender or their sexual preference or identity or whatever, and, and not to go down a, a rabbit hole because the Bible is very clear on those issues, but all that to be said, right, what he divided them on was based on their behavior. Well, this is the content of their character, and that, that is a, a biblical Christian idea. The modern notion of critical race theory really goes back to a, a fundamental Marxist ideology, which critical theory is what started, and critical theory said there's, there's really only two classes of people. You have the oppressed and the oppressors, and critical theory actually was promoted for a while in America, and it was really an, an economic, kind of a monetary theory. And it didn't take root in America because in America, in a, a free market system where there is freedom and you get to enjoy the benefit of your labor, you get to keep your reward. And there's uh, a, a free enterprise system that allows you to have copyrights and patents. It allows you to be an entrepreneur. There was too much fluidity in the market where you could be born in utter poverty. And in the matter of 10, 15, 20, 30 years, you could be an incredibly wealthy person. So this notion and critical theory that says if you have money, you're an oppressor, and if you don't have money, you're oppressed, that didn't take root in America because people 
too easily saw that, that that's not accurate. It's not right. Then in the 1960s, there was a notion, I think Harvard was really where this kind of unfolded initially. It was a legal theory uh, that we want to see are there, there are different implementations of the law based on race. But this is where race came in, and it became critical race theory. And it was said that people were treated different based on their race. And where it's boiled down to now in schools is we have teachers teaching that if you are a white person, you are part of the oppressor class. If you are a person of dark skin or someone that falls maybe in a minority class, then you are in the oppressed class. And, and that's the, the state of your being. And that's why you have little white kids coming home who are five, six, seven years old, coming back from first grade or kindergarten, crying to their parents saying, mom, am I evil because I'm white? That This is the evil rhetoric that's being promoted today. And so when you have commentators on different news outlets say, well, well, CRT is not a real thing. Well, the 1960s Harvard version of critical race theory, where it was a legal theory, maybe, maybe that's not what's being taught to kids, but the fundamental roots of Marxism, that you divide people in groups, you divide them in classes, and the two fundamental classes are the oppressor and the oppressed, that is being taught to kids in many schools around the nation, and that's part of the evil. It's not historically true, and it certainly is not biblically the position we want to take. Absolutely. And I'm talking with Tim Barton, who's the president of Wall Builders. And, you know, Tim, you you make such a great point about when parents are seeing their kids come home and ask these types of questions, and then parents are pushing back against these types of theories. Because we we all know that this is absolutely absurd, that we are judged by the color of our skin rather than the content of our character, and that somehow just by virtue of being a particular skin color, that means that you are in 2021 as a child an oppressor uh, somehow. I mean, this is, this is racism at its very core. And for parents to then push back on this and to say, we don't want our kids being taught this. And then you have people like Terry McAuliffe, who absolutely, I'm so glad that he lost the governor's race in Virginia, uh, basically saying, sorry, parents have no business um, even inputting to the school board or to schools uh, their thoughts on what should be taught in education. That is scary for someone who wants to be in the highest state public office to say to parents, we don't care about parental rights anymore. We don't care about the fact that our founders at the founding of this country understood that parental rights are so fundamental and that parents are responsible for the care, custody, and control of their children for their health, safety, and welfare, that we as the government are going to decide what's in the best interest of children. And so where do you think this is going from a parental rights perspective of parents rising up and pushing back against government, um, not only with CRT, but I think, you know, the vaccine mandates, which gets into the health and safety decision-making for their own children. Um, You know, this gets into this idea that the government is actually the one that's now acting as the oppressor and saying, parents, you have no responsibility. We are going to tell you what's in the best interest of, of children and act as the parent and the conduit for this whole collective. I mean, this is just an insane mm. leftist idea. So how is this, in your view, going to uh, play into 2022 with parents kind of starting this new great awakening? Yeah, I think one of the great things as we're looking at the modern era is that uh, oftentimes you will have a Democrat politician who says a quiet part out loud, right, who actually tells the truth unintentionally <laughs> when he says, hey, yeah, we don't think parents should have any control of what their kids get or learn or teach. And that's why you're seeing even right some of these vaccine mandates or mask mandates, things that are beyond parents' control. 
And I, I think unquestionably it's going to have a major impact on coming elections. Uh, we are seeing the, the kind of the fundamental philosophy of rolling out of this tyrannical totalitarian form of government where our, our government in America, the Constitution, was written based on the beginning, we the people. We the people are supposed to be in charge. We're the ones making decisions. Our politicians, our elected officials, they used to be called public servants because that's what they were. They were there to serve us. You're, you're there to help us and represent us. And right now, they're not representing we the people. And I think, practically speaking, a lot of we the people are waking up and realizing that this is not the direction we want to go. And this is one of the things that I've said now for a couple of years. If you look back when this COVID pandemic unfolded and you saw the overreach of government, and really one of the best things that happened in so many situations was when public schools shut down and ultimately every parent was kind of forced to be a homeschool parent for a little bit. One of the reasons it was such a great scenario in the educational system is because parents for the first time saw some of the brokenness of the system and really they saw some of the trash their kids were learning. And, and it caused parents to really want to get involved. It caused parents to start showing up at these school board meetings to go, wait a second, you're teaching my kids what? That, that's not true at all. And most parents had no idea some of this leftist liberal propaganda that was being promoted to the rising generation until this COVID pandemic happened. And this is where, again, I will tell you as a Christian that I can look at verses like in Romans 8, 28, that we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose, that God can take a terrible scenario, right? Because we know COVID was a real thing and there were real people that were impacted and died and, and a lot of bad stuff happened. We get it. And yet in the midst of a bad thing, God can take a bad thing, and he can use it for big picture good. One of the things that was used for good is he exposed some of the education system in America. And this is the reason that parents were showing up at school board meetings, the reason they're showing up at Loudoun County, among other places, which is why Tara McAuliffe sounded off and said, no, I think these parents are ridiculous. They shouldn't be showing up because they, they have no say in what kids learn. Well, that's, that's not the American way. It's not the American system. And the more that parents are showing up to school board meetings, you are seeing, right? I mean, we've seen in the news over the weekend and last week where you have school board presidents who are keeping data on parents who are opposing critical race theory or opposing some of this overreach. And you, you are seeing things be exposed right now, which obviously as you were part of the Trump administration and President Trump has talked about how, how much of a swamp there was in D.C. And really – Nobody knew how deep that swamp was. We are still discovering to this day how deep that swamp is. Well, part of the swampiness we are seeing is not just in D.C., but it's in some of the public education system. And so I think unquestionably there's going to be a lot of people showing up in the midterm elections who are frustrated and fired up with tyrannical overreach from everything from city council to school board to mayors to governors. And they're going to push back against a government regime. And part of the idea is – in in kind of again big picture philosophy life the i think a lot of democrats see america as a zoo and they see it as a zoo in the sense of all of the people are animals of the zoo, and we need a zookeeper to look out for us because we are too dumb to take care of ourselves. We're too dumb to raise our own kids. We're too dumb to make our own decisions. And so they, we need zookeepers that can help come show up and solve all of our problems, right? Make sure we have food on the table. Make sure we're going the right places, doing the right things. And the American people don't want a zookeeper. We, we were a nation birthed on the notion of freedom. And the more we are seeing people take freedom away, the more you will see the American people rise up and push back. And that will be reflected, I believe, in the midterm elections. 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And it's such a good thing, you're right, that parents have seen over the last year the silver lining of all of this is that they have taken and had to take a more active role in their children's education. And thankfully, parents are wisening up and they're saying, wow, this was all going on and I was just sending my kid to school and had really had no idea the depth and the extent of what they were and were not learning. And so I think that the parent movement is going to be very strong. And I hope that this also translates into um, a restoration of um, Americans into understanding that the nuclear family, the traditional family matters. Um, we know, Tim, that, you know, God ordained um, three institutions of government, one of those, you know, of course, civil society, and then uh, the church government, but the family government. And mm-hmm. that necessarily means that as Christians, we need to champion the family and make sure that parental rights um, are are sacrosanct and they are fundamental. And, uh, and I hope that this is going to be an issue for the Democrats to have to in some way concede and to not run on this insane platform. And, uh, and speaking of in the last few minutes that I have uh, here with you, Tim, the, the other thing that the left is trying to do in rewriting American history and all of these ridiculous talking points saying that, you know, America was founded on racism and, um, you know, all of these ridiculous narratives that are utterly destroyed. Uh, next week um, is going to be the 400th anniversary of the first Thanksgiving. And you actually have many original artifacts from the pilgrims that reveal this um, tremendous history. And so um, talk about the context of the 400th anniversary and uh, what is the truth about the original first Thanksgiving? I really appreciate you taking time to let us dive into this topic because this is something very near and dear to my heart. Uh, you know, as we look at, at America, w- one of the things that we are hearing now so much in education is that America uh, was fundamentally flawed and evil from our very beginning. And what we did was evil. And what we have forgotten is that America was not merely founded in the colony of Jamestown, which, by the way, Jamestown wasn't founded in 1619. It was founded in 1607. So, like, e- even the way we're presenting American history, like, this is when American history started. Well, no, when, when the first shipload of slaves arrived in Jamestown in 1619, they were on a British privateer ship. And, the, and actually, the slaves weren't from the British privateer ship. They were on a port. Portuguese ship that these two British ships attacked. And when they conquered the Portuguese ship, they took some of the spoils and booty of war on their ship. And it happened to be on one of these ships. They took approximately 19 slaves and they didn't want to keep selling with these slaves in their ship. They wanted to continue kind of their uh, their, their almost piratical ways of, of raiding some of these other ships. And so they were looking for a place to drop off these slaves. They came to Jamestown. And this is a very important point worth noting is Slavery was illegal in Jamestown in 1619. It went against the common law of Jamestown. So when these slaves arrived in Jamestown, they became indentured servants. And this is, again, very significant because as an indentured servant, you spend a period of time in servitude. And then at the end of that time in the Jamestown colony, you were given your freedom and you were given a section of land that you became a free landowner in America. So like even the the way the story is being told is so dishonest from the true history of what actually happened. And I'm not saying this to defend Jamestown. Jamestown had a lot of major issues, a lot of problems. But again, the reason I bring this up is Jamestown was not the only major colony in early America. Charles Dickens had a novel, A Tale of Two Cities. And I really think that title is appropriate. When you look at early America, America was largely defined by her two early colonies, Jamestown from 1607, but Plymouth from 1620. And Plymouth went a very different direction. Jamestown started war with many of the native tribes, many of the Indians, but Plymouth, they had the longest lasting peace treaty between any Anglos 
any European settlers and any natives. It lasted more than 50 years with Chief uh, Massasoit and the Wampanoag Braves. That's why the first Thanksgiving, when the first winter, nearly half the pilgrims died. So the first Thanksgiving, this is kind of their second fall here. They have a a three-day period of feasting and celebration. Well, they're joined by Chief Massasoit. He brought 90 Indian Braves, and this is where there's some context to Somerset and Squanto, and there's a lot more to their story. But the point is, there were more than 90 male Indian Braves. There were 50, approximately 53 pilgrims who were there that first Thanksgiving. And the 53 pilgrims, there were only approximately 20-something men. The rest were women or children, had had these Indians felt like they had been mistreated by the pilgrims or had land stolen from them, they easily could have remedied and rectified that situation the first Thanksgiving, but that's not what happened. They showed up that first Thanksgiving, and actually Chief Massasoit and his braves, they actually brought food. They brought deer. They brought meat. They brought different things, and for three days they celebrated, and they had activities and festivities together. They had races and shooting competitions. They did a lot together, and the pilgrims, really interestingly enough, looked back and they said, you know, even after this last year where half our people died— we recognize that because of Somerset, who spoke some English, we were able to meet Squanto, and Squanto was able to move in and, and, and live with us, and he showed us how to plant crops and, and how to fish and hunt, and, and we're surviving now because God brought us help and provision when we needed it. It's an interesting thought to think that after half of your people died, you're going to have a day of thanksgiving to give thanks to God. For, for what? Half your people died. They were giving thanks that God brought them help when they needed it most desperately, and they recognized they wouldn't have survived without God's help. The the whole legacy of the pilgrims is so different than the legacy of Jamestown, and I would argue that actually Plymouth, the pilgrims, the legacy they left behind was far more influential to American history. To, To even the founding fathers, that legacy was far more influential to America than was the legacy of Jamestown. But today, again, under the 1619 Project, under critical race theory, we're only hearing about the bad and evil things from American history. And sometimes the bad and evil things that are being told aren't even historically accurate. We're we're misrepresenting or lying about history to make America look worse than we are. And there's no question, America's not a perfect nation. We, as, as the Bible would teach us, we believe that there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. My, my starting position is that everybody is jacked up and needs Jesus. That's just, that's where I'm coming from, is we all need a Savior. But what that means is when I study history, I never expect to find a perfect person apart from Jesus, right? When I study American history, I don't expect to find perfect people. But what is so amazing about the American story, and especially about the pilgrims, is you can see how a perfect God used imperfect people and did really special things through them. And that's part of the legacy of this 400th anniversary of the first Thanksgiving. That is amazing. And, you know, Tim, I really appreciate you sharing that. And it's so true that, you know, as Americans, of course, we can have pride in our country. We can be proud to be Americans, not because our country is perfect, but because our founders gave us the best opportunity to continue to create a more perfect union. That was exactly the point. And we can't let all of these leftists and naysayers not only destroy today, but also destroy the truth about our founding history. And um, so for people who want to uh, hear more about wall builders and um, you know, see more of the stories that you have and the truth that you tell, where can they find you and how can they follow you? 
Yeah, so probably the best place is go to wallbuilders.com. We're on every social media platform out there. Um, we have uh, new content we're putting up every day. We have a daily radio program as well. Um, but all that information is available on the website. And we do have a new book that I think could be very relevant right now. It's called The American Story. And we start with the history of Christopher Columbus and go roughly through the ending of slavery in America. And, and this, I think, is a great resource for people right now because so much of the attacks that come against our founding fathers or against Christopher Columbus or the pilgrims, etc., if people actually knew the story, again, they would recognize that these people weren't perfect, but they're not guilty of most of the crimes of which they're accused today. And again, what becomes very clear is you can see the hand of God moving in these people to do really special things. So the American story is probably a really good resource for people, and that's available at wallbuilders.com or Amazon or anywhere books are sold. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. Tim Barton, president of Wall Builders. Definitely go check all of that out. And uh, Tim, I hope to have you on the program again soon. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jenna. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.